You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. Wyoming Public Media. This is the Modern West. Stories to match our scenery. I'm Melody Edwards. You remember that old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up? For some people, that's no joke, especially if you live by yourself. Say you do fall down, like who's going to call for help? How's anyone going to even know? And I know like things like life alerts and they make people say, well, that's for old, old people. Well, but yeah. you need them. Well, 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 you're right on track with what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that isn't necessarily cool. Sure. <laughs> that guy there who's so worried about how cool life alerts are? That's Bob Beck. He's only in his 50s, but he's already thinking about this stuff. He's one of these baby boomers we keep hearing about, the huge number of them who are getting older and who are really going to start stressing out our healthcare system any minute now, especially in the West, where the closest hospitals can be hours away. Well, a recent tragedy got Bob thinking about what the future might hold for him as he navigates the world of elder care by himself. In November of 2016, my wife of 32 years was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. She never smoked a day in her life. After four pain-filled months, she died in a Laramie hospital room with my hand on her heart. It was the worst day of my life. For the previous four months, I was the prime caregiver. Although my mom flew in to help over the last six weeks when it became difficult for Debbie to be on her own. Not only did I take on all the household tasks, I drove her on slick roads to the doctors in Wyoming and Colorado. I took notes on things they said and found I surprised her with information she either missed or tuned out due to her pain. I had other tasks too. The most terrifying was I had to mix medication into a feeding bag and then put it into her port. That's essentially a tube where liquid food and chemo drugs would enter her body. I had to inject the medication mix into the food bag. Any air bubbles or incorrect mixes or dosage could kill her. In fact, I even had to mix the food at the hospital since their insurance carrier wouldn't let the nurses do it. At some point in the first couple of days, I did something wrong and blood spurted out of her. 
we had to make an emergency call to someone to come to our home to stop the blood flow. I would also wake up nightly and massage her and apply ointment when she awoke screaming from pain. I had to calm her down when the insurance company was debating whether or not they'd approve medication to deal with things like blood clots. Actually, I'd been a caregiver before. I looked after her after two total hip surgeries. Once I had to make sure she was breathing while an overworked nurse got to her after addressing another woman first. She also had two knee reconstruction surgeries, and I was in charge of getting her bathed to the restroom, up and down stairs, fed, and all the things that go with that. Before she died, she thanked me for taking care of her and apologized for abandoning me. And then she was gone. And for the first time since I was 23 years old, I lived alone. Now I'm 58, I have no kids, and no family members nearby. And at some point it occurred to me that if something similar happened to me, I had nobody who could take care of me. Also since my wife's death, I've had other friends with health challenges. One had a heart attack and another, 15 to 20 years younger than me, had a stroke. In both instances, their spouse either saved their life or prevented serious damage. So lately I've been thinking, well, maybe I need a girlfriend. But I'm finding they're hard to come by. Then I started worrying about what would happen to me if I had a stroke or if I simply fell down a flight of stairs at home. Would my co-workers and staff figure I just took a couple of days off and forgot to tell them? Would they eventually find my devoured body by the door, eaten by my Labrador retrievers dying of hunger? And how would I handle a serious operation or an illness if I live on my own? Turns out, I'm not the only one thinking about these things. Among those is Stefan Johansson, who's the deputy director of the Wyoming Department of Health. That's because the department is the outfit who will likely end up paying for most people's long-term care, whether it's in a facility or at home. We sit down in a windowless conference room, ironically not unlike some doctor's offices I've been to, to talk about some of this. He says the number of people who need somewhere to live with access to health care providers is growing. We started to see an uptick in the amount of individuals enrolling in our long-term care programs. And that's no surprise because the demographics of Wyoming are rapidly changing. We're one of the fast, fastest aging uh, states uh, in the country. And uh, so it started to become a concern because uh, that creates budget pressure on the Department of Health uh, because our Medicaid program uh, finances uh, quite a bit of long-term care. Let me break down a couple of things for you. First of all, I found in my travels that few people know exactly what Medicaid is and does. The state and the federal government share the cost of Medicaid, and it mostly helps elderly adults and people with disabilities. It's the funding that allows someone to afford nursing home or home health care. As Johansson explains, the price tag is a smidge high. For individuals that would finance that themselves, in Wyoming, uh, the average cost of in-home care, uh, home health care, is about $52,000 a year. 
Um, and for a nursing home, if an individual was going to pay out of pocket for a nursing home bed, uh, that ranges uh, up to $88,000 a year. After talking to him, I couldn't stop focusing on the cost for in-home health care. I have some savings and will have a pension, but $52,000 a year? Who the hell can afford that? Now, it's cheaper if I find a home health care provider who only checks in once a week or so, which is great, except even if I can afford one, home health care providers are hard to find. In fact, finding anyone to care for elderly in this state is a challenge. I know this guy named Eric Bowley. He's the head of the Wyoming Hospital Association, but also works as a lobbyist for nursing homes in a variety of long-term care facilities and deals with those types of issues. I asked him if I might have issues finding a nurse or someone to check on me from time to time. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a huge concern. Workforce in general in our state is is very difficult, but when it comes to finding the right people to, to serve our elderly we're really running into to some shortages uh, all across the state, but especially when it comes to, to nurses and, and certified nurse assistants. And trust me, I've read enough stories about elder abuse for people stealing from older people to know that you really, really want the right people taking care of you. Bowley says there is nursing home space available across the state, but many people will have to relocate. I might get to stay in my town, but let's face it, that's not where I want to end my life career. I once worked in a nursing home back in high school. Let's just say I'd prefer some other options. But the reason all my options might get tight is this. Wyoming, like everywhere else, has seen growth in the 65 and older crowd. Between 2016 and 2017 alone, Wyoming's 65 plus population grew by 3.7%. That was the fastest increase in the nation. By 2055, Wyoming's 85 and older population is expected to grow by a mere 227%. That's a whole lot of geezers in need of services. So by the time I need something, things might be scarce. Of course, the elephant in the room is what happens if you live in one of the state's more rural communities. I live in a college town of some 30,000, so we have some services, even a cancer center. But I remember when my wife had cancer, there was a man who drove himself roughly 90 minutes for chemo and had to drive himself home. This was in the winter on a lonely two-lane stretch of road that frequently closes, and it's a haven for whiteouts. Shoot, it could have been worse. He might have needed to drive two or three hours to Colorado. Look, we're tough stock here, but that seems a little extreme. Like someone ought to be helping that guy out. Stefan Johansson of the Wyoming Department of Health summed it up for me. Not only is there uh, very little long-term care service available in some of those uh, places, uh, but also what's often needed on the medical side is uh, 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half away. These problems with long-term care are really indicative of uh, health care uh, in Wyoming in general and just exacerbated by some of the uh, demographic challenges that we're seeing and the growth in that, in that sector. This sounds like a mess. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I would describe it as a mess. It's more maybe the hopeless optimist in me as an opportunity. 
We've been talking with our legislative partners and with our other stakeholders in the state about things that we could do differently, and I think there's some good ideas out there. We've put some information in front of our uh, stakeholders and friends on uh, savings programs that the state could look at for uh, preparing people more for for long-term care costs. He tells me about other ideas regarding new ways to use senior centers. And AARP Wyoming wants to use Medicaid dollars to help train and even pay people in the community to be caregivers. This has reduced costs in other states and again keeps more people at home. But if you're like me, a longtime legislative reporter, and you know how quickly lawmakers move on some of these topics, these things might not be in place in time for my old age. I wondered if I was the only one worried about this stuff. So I drove the 45 minutes to meet with Aaron LeBlanc, who is the retired and senior volunteer program director who works with the 55 and older population over the mountains from me in Cheyenne. For those of you who missed this on the state trivia test in grade school, Cheyenne is the state capital. At roughly 65,000 people, it's the largest city in the state. Anyway, LeBlanc is a newcomer to Wyoming and smiles as I sit down in her cramped office that's connected to a larger senior center. Lately, she's been working with a number of older citizens on signing up for Medicare and the Medicare Part D program. Medicare is the federal insurance program for people 65 and older, and Part D is the program seniors use to determine how much they need for their medications. The cost of drugs for seniors is a whole other podcast episode, since few people have saved enough money to grow old and deal with all these healthcare needs. Anyway, I asked her if she ever talks to people who are like me, who live alone, and don't have anyone to look after them. It does come up because a lot of them also want to know what kind of services are available to come into their homes. So many of them don't qualify uh, income-wise for certain services. They make uh, maybe just a little bit too much, but then they don't make enough to privately pay for someone to come in, and they don't want to consider uh, long-term care. And I think, um, and that's, I have found in my work that doctors our hospitals are very quick to say, let's talk about going into the nursing home. Well, there's a lot of other options besides that. And and I think a lot of seniors are terrified, of course. My, I'll tell you what my concern is. I live at home. Um, I'm a widower. Well, I don't have kids, so I don't necessarily have anybody that might check on me every day. Now, I do go to work, uh, but we have one of those jobs where you could just take the day off or or go do whatever Uh, I've got this fear something's going to happen to me Mm -hmm. and I'll be sitting there at home for three or four days until somebody thinks to check on me that's my concern am I just crazy to be that worried about it no no because I have elderly parents as well and so I think um, it's better to not be in emergency mode I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's good to try to plan out. So it's whether that's um, a life alert or a lifeline to have one of those to, um, to make sure that, you know, if you were not feeling well and you just couldn't get out of the chair or get out of your bed or you've fallen, people say, well, I have my cell phone. Well, sometimes that's not always it. And I know like things like life alerts and they make people say, well, that's for old, old people. Well, 
but yeah. you need them. Well, 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 you're right on track with what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that isn't necessarily cool. Sure. <laughs> and they don't always look very cool either. <laughs> They're kind of, you know, uh, bulky looking. But I think it's it's good to be prepared for what could happen. Coming up, Bob checks out an alternative to living on his own. If you are liking what you're hearing, and actually, hey, even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover the modern West so that we can keep bringing you stories about the evolving identity of the American West. Hey, thanks, y'all. I got to view a life alert up close at Point Frontier. It's a retirement facility in Cheyenne. This place is nothing like that nursing home where I worked in high school. Thought I was walking into a fairly decent hotel. It allows for independent assisted living with medical staff on hand. It's got a dining area, a game room with a pool table, and couches around a fireplace. The rooms are nice, too. They are apartment size, and if you don't want to hit the dining room, you can cook in your own kitchen. The only thing that's different is that somebody regularly checks on the residents to make sure they're okay. I figured this might be an option I'd consider. It seemed like it was working out pretty well for Claudette Maori. She spent her life in Casper with her late husband. Like me, when he got sick, she became his caregiver. After he died, she faced some of the challenges I've worried about. She was alone in Casper while her kids were elsewhere. Claudette tried to maneuver on her own, but she ran into some mishaps. Did you ever worry about your own personal safety at any point? After I fell twice. Tell me about that. I just took a quick turn, caught my toe, and skied across the cement. The next time it was in the night, I got up and tripped on a rug and fell. I laid there and cried and said, self, you can either crawl over to where you can pull up on something or you can just lay here and feel sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. And how did you get help? Um, I called my granddaughter and, and she came. But um, I limped back to bed, and I laid there till morning. I just didn't want to bother anyone. <laughs> Were you hurt? Seriously? Um, I broke my wrist. <laughs> so yes would yes. be the answer. Yes is the answer. When you live in a place like Casper and a winter storm hits, you can literally be isolated. It actually took a serious fever and urging from her children to move to Cheyenne, where she has one of those bulky life alerts, and a community of outgoing people and family nearby. I was ready to make a reservation. Are there openings right now? Can I slide in and be down the hall? I can't recommend you. I'm a newcomer. (laughs) There's a lot of people that would not recommend me, so I, I, I don't blame you. As great as this seems, I'm honestly not sure what I actually think of getting into one of these. Groups in the state are building more of these facilities all the time, but to access one, you need to live in one of the larger communities in the state, which might mean moving hours away from my community of friends. 
So once again, I was back to thinking it'd be better for me to figure out a way to live at home. I was just hoping I could still drive because in my small town, there's a bus, but it doesn't come around very often. And check this out. It's also a battle in our biggest city, Cheyenne. Greta Morrow is a retired school teacher and has lived in Cheyenne for over 45 years with her husband in a large, comfortable home at the edge of Cheyenne. She looks fit and healthy after surviving a battle with cancer a few years back. She had the means to get specialized treatment in Houston. But during some volunteer work, she came across an issue that's become her focus. You see, a lot of single older people can't get to a doctor, not just a specialist, just a doctor across town. And that's because of a lack of transportation, especially for older people who need help getting in and out of their homes or the store. For roughly three years, she's been working on fixing this, and it's been tricky. As you might guess, there's liability and other issues. Morrow's main concern was that these homebound people were isolated and she wanted to get them to places to hang out, get their hair done, that kind of thing. But then, while discussing her work with a doctor, she learned about a significant problem. And she said, oh, I really hope you do that because I have many patients that I don't see during the wintertime, during the cold weather. I see them when their families can get them here, which is, tends to be in the summertime and the nice weather. And then they don't have health care the rest of the time because they can't get out. And I, th- I think, my heavens, that's right there is an indication of a need. So, you know, I, I called a case manager here in Cheyenne at a major medical practice. And I said, what do you think about this? Do you think we need to have a volunteer driver program in Cheyenne? And she said, oh, my heavens, every day of my job, Transportation is the number one problem. I started thinking what it would be like to be stuck at home without the ability to get to a doctor, to address a flu, pneumonia, or something like that. Hopefully Greta can find a solution. I'm also hoping that state health officials and lawmakers might be able to find their own solutions. One idea that could get some traction would be using volunteers or part-timers who could be trained to help homebound people. They'd be paid using Medicaid dollars. Another would allow communities to get grants to develop creative ways to deal with long-term care issues. So during a break in a recent meeting, I cornered the chairman of the House Health and Labor Committee, Sue Wilson of Cheyenne. I've had a lot of conversations with Representative Wilson over the years, and she's generally a lot of fun. She laughs when I asked if they've solved all the problems that might be facing current and future old-timers like yours truly. So I repeat my story about falling and getting mauled by dogs, and she told me I don't need legislation. I need to make my home safer, and I need some friends. It's so important to stay involved with, you know, religious groups or bowling groups or the, you know, the coffee club at McDonald's in the morning or that kind of thing so that when people notice if you don't show up, right? I mean, if nobody ever sees you for two weeks at a time anyway, you could be cold on the floor before anyone discovers you. So some of that responsibility we need to take on ourselves in, in or make our lives more integrated with other people. 
When I've shared this story with friends, they found her comments harsh, but you know what? I think she makes a point. My family lives far away, and I can assure you that my behavior over the years would likely keep them from having me move in with them or taking care of me in any way, so that's out. I don't have kids, but I do have some good friends. A couple of younger friends already do kind of look after me from time to time, including a nurse. Hi, I'm Jamie. I am a nurse in the operating room, and I am also Bob's friend. Okay, so Jamie, we had talked about this actually before I even started this story, this issue that I'm concerned about. Uh, living alone. And and actually, you came up with a little bit of a solution here. What what were you thinking? Oh, yeah. Um, So I I thought that we should buy a house together, a big house, uh, with an adequate room. So there's basically a, a nice apartment in the basement or a lower level. And you would get the main part of the house. And we would basically just share space. You know, obviously a big perk to us sharing a house is if you were to go out and hire a healthcare provider, that provider isn't going to be around. You have you set a schedule and they come in, they check on you, they make sure your meds are in order and whatnot. And then they might have an ancillary person, a CNA, uh, also come in and help you with meals and bathing. But these are everything is kind of at set specific times. And so somebody's not really with you, but it, you know the perk to being to me living in the basement is you know I'm there all night potentially, or I'm, and I'm around and I'm there every day. So there is there is that aspect of the care that uh, that potentially would be better, mm. more and more effective. You do like rounds, come up and see if I'm breathing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot to that point. You know, I forgot to that point. If that you know if that's if that's what it came down to, there is one thing that scares the crap out of me. But uh, we'll we'll just not worry about bathing just yet. So um, yeah, no, uh, no, no, we'll don't cross that. Hopefully, not have to cross that bridge. But, I'll try you know, and die before we get to that point. <laughs> or, or I'll just hire a CNA. There you go. <laughs> While that's a lovely proposal, I'm not really that interested in imposing myself on my young friends. So hopefully the state will hurry up and invest in more long-term options to help more people either stay at home or live in community-assisted living facilities. In the meantime, I've thought about that life alert, but I have found a much cooler option. I recently purchased the brand new Apple Watch. Turns out it has a wide range of health options, including alerts for falling or if my heart skips a beat. I still might get ravaged by dogs, but at least I'll have a sweet watch. That was Bob Beck. You know, I might need to actually go out and get my parents a couple of these styly Apple watches. They live in a small town that's a full hour's drive over treacherous mountain passes from the nearest hospital. My mom's been having some health problems, and I can tell you, man, does her town have an amazing ambulance team. They have to. It's truly life or death. 
One time, they even flight for life to over 13,000-foot peaks to a heart hospital. Luckily, she had Medicare and supplemental insurance. Otherwise, that trip would have cost her about 75 grand. The long-term plan, though, is for my folks to eventually move to my small city. They already have bought a house next door. I suppose it won't be long before I'll be taking my turn as the caregiver. Join us next time when we find out how a rancher who'd always done things the traditional way that his forebears taught him until predators came along and changed all that. Are there other non-lethal measures that can be utilized to, uh, to help you? And I figured, well, we've, you know, we've been doing the standard thing forever. You know, is there anything else we can try? I'm Melody Edwards. Our theme music is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of Wyoming Public Media. One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod.